The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. This is Occupy Health with Dr. Susan. Last week, Raymond Francis told us only 1% of us are healthy. Doctors Perlmuter, Dr. Houston, and Trindati told us the slope toward disease is gradual, and the disease process starts long before the doctors can make any measurements to give us a clue. What, what's going on here? How can we be sick without any symptoms? How can we know when we're getting ill? And what can we do to change this progression? Why are so many guests talking about wheat and sugar as toxins? I always thought they were my old friends. Is there a connection between these and our health? Today we're going to dig a little bit deeper as we ask, what does gluten have to do with our health? Today our guest is Dr. Tom O'Brien. He's an internationally recognized speaker and writer on chronic diseases and metabolic disorders. He's considered the world's experts on the impact of wheat sensitivity on autoimmunity. In 2013, he organized the Gluten Summit, the first internet gathering of more than 25 experts on a particular health field. And later on, you'll learn how you can have access to some of these goodies. Dr. O'Brien has more than 30 years experience as a functional medicine practitioner and is a member of the faculty at the Institute for Functional Medicine. He is also the author of The Autoimmune Fix. His website, for those who are interested, is thedoctor.com. So welcome, Dr. O'Brien. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Can you first tell us what, what is functional medicine? You know, um, I think the best way to get uh, a view of functional medicine is if we recognize that by the time you get symptoms, whether it's high blood pressure or migraines, or premenstrual syndrome, by the time you get symptoms, it's like you've fallen over a waterfall. You've just crashed down into a big pond of symptoms. Well, functional medicine teaches doctors to look way back upstream. What fell into the river? And they eventually went down and fell over the waterfall. It's looking for the underlying causes, the true causes, of what set off the diseases that we eventually get. You know, you referenced two of my good friends, Dr. Mark Hewson and David Perlmutter. Uh, we share faculty at the Institute of Functional Medicine together, and they are world experts, David Perlmutter in neurology, Mark Houston on cardiovascular disease, and the message is always the same. Whatever the symptoms are, of course you want to address the symptoms to feel better, but if that's all you do, 
then there's no way you're, you're going to be healthy, and the problems that cause the symptoms are going to show another way. So it's, it's so long ahead before we get a disease, like 20 years ahead of time, we're on that pathway oh and don't know it? You, you know, nobody gets Alzheimer's in their 60s or 70s. You get Alzheimer's in your 20s and 30s. It just takes decades. Scientists know it's a decades-long process. And it takes decades of slowly killing off brain cells, slowly killing off brain cells, slowly killing off brain cells, until you've killed off enough cells that it becomes obvious there's something wrong with my brain. But that takes years. I'll give you one example with Alzheimer's. Many, many people, and I don't know the percentage, I know it's over 50%, but I don't know the exact number, of people that have a herpes simplex uh, virus in them. It's um, cold sores. When people get cold sores, it's a herpes simplex virus. There are over 100 papers, 100 research papers, identifying that antibodies to herpes simplex 1, the simple herpes virus that uh, gives cold sores, if you have elevated antibodies to that, it's directly associated with development of Alzheimer's. There's over 100 papers on it. But you don't get brain funk dysfunction when you get a cold sore. But you're slowly killing off brain cells, slowly killing off brain cells, slowly killing off brain cells until eventually there's enough killed off that it becomes obvious. So what does a functional medicine practitioner do if the concern is Alzheimer's? One of the things you do is you look for antibodies to herpes years and years before there are any symptoms of Alzheimer's. That's just one small example. Uh, it's, it's a way of thinking. And that's what do you do if you've to, got the herpes antibodies? You have to identify why the antibodies are elevated. You have to strengthen your immune system, calm down the stress that the immune system... Because if you have elevated antibodies to a virus, your body is unable... To, uh, it's allowing too much of that virus to replicate. So you have to look at why that is and address that. So how does gluten fit into all this? Why should we care about gluten sensitivity? That's really a good question. There's, uh, uh, if you have a couple hours, that would be helpful. <laughs> we'll, do it. we'll do it as best we can here. Um, every degenerative disease, if you talk to a doctor about this, every disease whether it's diabetes or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or high blood pressure or arthritis or multiple sclerosis, every disease is a disease of inflammation. At the cellular level, it, the cells are always on fire. So it's just a question, is it a kidney cell or a brain cell? Is it gasoline or kerosene? Wheat, for all humans, is an inflammatory food. It causes inflammation. Now, for most people, they don't get symptoms when they eat wheat. They can't feel, they, they don't feel sick. Those that feel sick when they eat it, they're blessed because you, you can't argue with that. But most people do not know that when they eat wheat, they're throwing a little more gasoline on the fire. And if you pull at a chain, the chain always breaks at the weakest link. It's at one end middle, the other end, it's your heart, your brain, your liver, your kidneys. It's always your weakest link where the chain breaks. So as you throw gasoline on the fire, the link of the chain is going to break is wherever your weak link is. So some people with a wheat sensitivity get brain problems. 
Some people with a wheat sensitivity get liver problems. Some people with a wheat sensitivity get joint problems. It just depends. That's why there's over 20,000 studies on the effects of wheat on the body. 20,000 studies. Now, every one of these studies is a different team of researchers that spent months, usually six months to a year, studying some aspect of this. And then they write their research paper, and then they submit it for publication. It gets reviewed. It gets sent back, so, and the editors say, change this, change that. And they resubmit it again, and it finally gets published. There's 20,000 of those saying, wheat's a problem, people. It's a problem. Whether you feel it or not, it's a problem. Does this have something to do that we have no human enzymes that can completely digest wheat, that our bodies just not prepared for it? You know, Harvard published uh, a couple of studies. The most recent one was about uh, nine months ago, maybe ten months ago, um, showing that every human has a problem with digesting wheat. Every human, and that was their language, humans. Because if you think of proteins, and there's a number of different proteins in wheat, uh, but there's proteins in almost all foods. If you think of proteins like a pearl necklace, hydrochloric acid undoes the clasp of the pearl necklace. Now you're holding a string of pearls. It's our enzymes that are made in our uh, intestines, our pancreas, our gallbladder, our liver. It's the enzymes that act as scissors to cut the pearl necklace into smaller pieces of pearl necklace. Smaller clumps of pearls, smaller clumps of pearls. The enzymes are breaking down the proteins smaller until they get snipped down all the way down to each individual pearl. The pearl is called an amino acid, and that's what we absorb, our amino acids. And then the body uses those amino acids traveling in the bloodstream to make new bone cells or muscle cells or whatever. But we need amino acids. The problem with wheat is that no human has the scissors to break it down into individual pearls. The best we can do is break it into clumps of a pearl necklace, a 33-pearl clump, a 17-pearl clump, an 11-pearl clump. And these big clumps of the pearl necklace are inflammatory. So every human, when they eat wheat, produces these clumps of the pearl necklace. The clumps are inflammatory. They pull on your chain, and wherever your weak link is, that's where you eventually develop the symptoms. Might be your heart, might be your gallbladder, might be your joints, might be your muscles, might be your skin. That's why psoriasis can clear up if you have a sensitivity to wheat and you get wheat out of there. ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. I've got five different papers reversing ALS on a gluten-free diet, which is unheard of. Rheumatoid arthritis. Multiple sclerosis. My good friend, Dr. Terry Walls, completely reversed her multiple sclerosis. She was bedridden in a wheelchair, a reclining wheelchair. She's a brain neurophysiologist, and she couldn't fix her MS until she went wheat-free. And she eliminated a lot of other foods with it, but wheat was the first one that she eliminated. So wherever the weak link is in your chain, that's where you eventually will get symptoms when the fire gets big enough and kills off enough cells. Wow, I've got several colleagues as well that cured their own multiple sclerosis and diet and eliminating uh, toxins was the top of their list. So yes. it's just, it seems like every speaker has mentioned inflammation and it seems to be at the root of all diseases. So how does, okay, these big clumps, how do they lead to inflammation? 
One of the things that happens when you've got these clumps is that your immune system inside your gut says, whoa, this is a problem, I better fight this. And now you make antibodies to those clumps of the pearl necklace. The antibodies attack the clumps of the pearl necklace and they cause the inflammation that destroys it. It eats it up. So it's the food that's not good for us that triggers the immune response producing the inflammation to protect us. You know, and it was Mark Houston who came up with this analogy years ago. It's a brilliant analogy. And it really, it's so accurate. We have the same bodies as our ancestors thousands of years ago, exactly the same livers and kidneys. And we we use our brain more, so we've got more comfort, but we have the exact same bodies as our ancestors. What did our ancestors' immune systems have to protect them from? What were the dangers out there? Bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. That was it. Bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. So if our ancestor ate some bad meat that had bugs in it or parasites some bacteria, our immune system would go into action right away to fight that stuff, to kill it, produce inflammation to kill it so that it couldn't make us sick. We have the exact same bodies as our ancestors thousands of years ago. We have the exact same immune system. Our immune system is has developed to deal with bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. That's it. Our immune system is not designed to deal with bisphenol A, the chemical that softens plastic water bottles and soft contact lenses and credit card receipts. This stuff, bisphenol A that binds into your hormone sites and causes cancers and immune system problems and hormone-related problems, or DDT. We don't have an immune system designed to handle DDT or mercury or lead or any of the thousands of chemicals we've produced in the last couple hundred years. Our immune systems are designed to handle bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. So anytime that something comes in, that the alarm says, hey, there's something wrong with this. This is not good for us. It's going to respond as if it's fighting a virus, parasite, mold, fungus, or bug. So let me it's see if I understand that. So you've way. got a inflammation caused by all these antibodies that are like an army ready to attack. Do sometimes they get misguided? For example, I understood that uh, gluten genetically is very similar in, into the pancreatic islet cells, uh, which make insulin, uh, Purkinje cells, and cerebellum, which control our balance. There's even something called gluten ataxia, where people can't walk straight, and also the thyroid cells. So is it true that these antibodies, they just are kind of on fire looking for things to attack, and they attack our own body? Well, you've taken it to the next level. Um, you're actually answering the question, um, why are there so many different symptoms? And it's because the clump of the pearl necklace from poorly digested wheat that the antibodies are made to attack, that clump of the pearl necklace kind of looks like the surface of your thyroid, or it kind of looks like different areas of your brain, or it kind of looks like your joints. It just depends on which clump of the pearl necklace you're talking about. So when the antibodies are in the bloodstream looking for clumps of the pearl necklace to destroy them, it sees the surface of your thyroid, and hey, look over there, there's some more weak clumps, and it attacks your thyroid. And you eventually develop autoimmune thyroid disease, or you develop MS, 
or you develop brain shrinkage, or you develop Alzheimer's, or you develop lupus, or you develop uh, skin problems, psoriasis. So you're absolutely right that the clumps of the pearl necklace, the amino acids that are left together that our enzymes cannot break down, those clumps of the pearl necklace look like our own tissue, enough like our own tissue, that we begin attacking it. The antibodies attack your own tissue. How scary that is. So, like, Exactly. People who have thyroiditis or Hashimoto's disease or autoimmune where we're attacking our thyroid, so then is there a very high correlation between those who are gluten sensitive? Oh, tremendously high correlation. Well, for, you know, there's a number of doctors who specialize in thyroid disease, and they all say the same thing. They say, and these are functional medicine doctors, doctors who are looking upstream where the problem's coming from. They all say the same thing. The very first thing you have to do is stop eating wheat. The very first thing. Now, there's often more you have to do, but that's the very first thing. Because if you don't stop throwing gasoline on the fire, there's no way you're going to reverse your thyroid disease. Wow, that's scary. And it, and it can also lead to diabetes, uh, where you probably end up needing insulin and attacking your brain. That's really scary. You know, there was, you're absolutely right. And that's why I'm so intense about this. Is this not just another good idea? Well, maybe this is a better form of vitamin C to take or... Oh, yeah, I guess I should take a multiple vitamin. No, this is like, wake up, people. Wake up. Every time you eat something with wheat, you're throwing gasoline on the fire. And wherever the weak link is in your chain, you're pulling on the chain. So is that why we're so ill in this country and our life expectancy is decreasing? That's a primary component. The answer to your question, why are we so ill in this country, is the whole world of toxins that we're exposed to. And wheat is now one of those toxins. Let me give you a big picture of this. Let's, take, let's get away from wheat for a moment. The World Wildlife Fund, in conjunction with two universities six weeks ago, published a paper that said there has been a 57% on average reduction of all wildlife on the planet since 1970. 57% of everything that lives on the planet is gone in the last 46 years. Wow. 57% of the polar bears, the hummingbirds, the seagulls, the bees, the earthworms, the rainbow the- trout, the honeybees. 57% of everything is gone, and we keep our heads buried in the sand and say, oh, that's too bad. We really should do something about that. And we allow the same thing to happen. Now, what's the big picture here? It's the toxicity in this world that we're living in. This is not an exaggeration. This comes from the Journal of Pediatrics. For every human in the United States today, 250 pounds of toxic chemicals are being dumped in this country per person per day. We're coming to a break now, but many other speakers are saying the same thing. So we need to wake up, but first a break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a pet parent? Are you interested in a better understanding of the care and health of your best friend? Listen every week for Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. Just as in your own personal health care, you can also take charge of the health care of your pet by exploring natural approaches to keep them healthy in addition to more conventional veterinary care. Don't you want them having the best life possible? 
Listen Fridays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. We'd love to hear from you about today's show. Send your email to Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. That's Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. Now, back to this week's program. Wow. So, how, every speaker is talking about these toxins and how it's affecting our lifestyle. So it certainly sounds like we need to minimize our exposure and try not to create new ones. But let's get back to gluten. Uh, what is gluten sensitivity uh, versus well, people who have full-blown well, celiac disease? Okay. Uh, let me say with the toxin thing for a moment that um, we, we, we have to do a lot more than just reduce our um, exposures, our uh, uh, if, if we take a couple of minutes to just think about this, it, we've killed off more than half of everything that lives on the planet in 46 years. More than half of everything. And the percentages for each species are higher if they live near fresh water. Why is that? Because they're drinking the water. If we were drinking out of streams, we'd be getting more cancer and be unable to reproduce just like every other species on the planet is. How long do you think it's going to take? We aren't getting as toxic a water supply, but we are getting the same toxins on our food because the toxins of the water come from spraying the crops and the runoff gets down into the streams and the animals are drinking the water. But it's on our food. If you're not eating organic, I mean, it's just a, a given now. You have to do your best to eat organic Grow a little garden yourself. Eat as much fresh produce that you can grow on your own. If you live in an apartment, have a little uh, 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 a little box garden on your patio. Just do any little thing you can, but we have to change the way we think about this. You can't just say, oh, I guess I'll just eat less of the sugar cream donuts. You can't do that anymore. The, the New England Journal of Medicine published a paper For the first time in the history of the human species, for the very first time ever in our history, children born today have a shorter projected lifespan than their parents. They're going to get sick at an earlier age, get diagnosed with disease at earlier ages, and die at earlier ages than when their parents die. This has never happened before, and it's it's just getting exponentially worse, meaning it's getting bad quicker. We have to wake up as a species, and wheat is one of the easiest and most prevalent 
gasolines on the fire that we're consuming. It's 132.5 pounds of wheat per person per year in the U.S. And I don't need any. That means somebody else is getting 265 pounds. And every bite is gasoline on the fire. All it takes is an eighth of a thumbnail of exposure to wheat, just that tiny little bit, and you've got elevated antibodies for three to six months. Just that tiny little bit. So now to your question about what is gluten sensitivity compared to celiac disease. The International Celiac Symposium occurs every two years, and in 2011 it was in Chicago, and they finally came up with definitions of the differences. So the big kahuna term, the big picture overview is called a wheat-related disorder. A wheat-related disorder. What does that mean? Well, it means you could have celiac disease. That is a wheat-related disorder that affects your gut. And the inside of your gut shrivels up and you can't absorb your vitamins and minerals. You get really sick and you die early. Other wheat-related disorders could be... um, Uh, gluten sensitivity. What does that mean? That means you don't have celiac, but the weak link in your chain is not your gut. It's somewhere else. It could be your brain. As you said earlier, ataxia, meaning your brain's been shrinking and old people don't have control of their muscle movement very well. They can't walk very well. If that's the weak link in your chain, that's what you get. It could be another uh, component of wheat called gluteomorphins, and those bind on to the opiate receptors in your body, so it affects depression and anxiety and schizophrenia. So gluten can lead to depression, anxiety, oh and goodness, schizophrenia? Yeah. Oh, oh, my goodness. Yes, there are many, many papers on it, and the uh, there are many papers on reversing schizophrenia on a wheat-free diet, and the psychiatrists are just startled. They say, we were able to check this person out of the institution, when they went wheat-free a year later, they're still wheat-free, and you okay. and they're still asymptomatic. They don't need any medications. In an article I wrote wheat. on autism, I found the same thing that gluten certainly contributed to it, and the That's gut right. is important. It's just it wheat is more gasoline on the fire, so it's the most common gasoline on the fire that people are using today. That's why it's such a problem. That's why people are hearing about it because when people go gluten-free and wheat-free, what happens is that they stop throwing the major gasoline on their fire and their symptoms start going down. Well, once we get these symptoms down and the antibodies, you know, what about just a little bit of gluten every now and then? Because those donuts sure look good when I come into work. You know, I just drove, I just drove past a donut shop this morning and it sure looked good. It really oh, yeah. Good. You know, but, you know, <laughs> so what about a little bit once in a while? Yeah, what about so, it? 32-year-old woman goes to a celiac specialty clinic. This was published in an Italian medical journal. She goes to a celiac specialty clinic. She'd been diagnosed a year earlier with celiac disease, and um, she had hair loss, poor thyroid, osteoporosis, very tired all the time, diagnosed with chronic fatigue, shortest girl in the class growing up, didn't get her menstrual cycles until later than her friends. That's called failure to thrive. All of the classic symptoms of celiac disease. She'd been diagnosed a year earlier, but she wasn't any better. So she went to the clinic and they said, well, madam, um, you are a celiac. And your blood test shows the numbers are high. And the, the uh, uh, internal, the endoscopy, that, like a camera down in the gut, they take a look inside and say, you 
have villus atrophy. Everything's worn down in there. You must be gluten-free. She said, I am gluten-free. And they said, completely? So, well, you know, I had a piece of my daughter's birthday cake last month. or Not daughter, a friend's birthday cake. You know, uh, every once in a while I'll have a little bite. No, no, no. Completely gluten-free. She said, okay. So she went completely gluten-free. She comes back a year later. Her hair loss has stopped. Her energy is better. She still has osteoporosis. Her thyroid's still not working well. Her blood values now, instead of being sky high, are just a little bit high over normal. But the endoscopy shows still her gut's all shriveled up. Madam, you must be completely gluten-free. I am gluten-free. Completely? She said, completely. And they tested her. You know, they, they screened her, asked her a lot of questions, and she really had done um, uh, her best and was completely gluten-free. The doctors were about to throw their hands up in the air. And then one really smart doctor said, Madam, are you a religious woman? She was a nun in street clothes. She was taking the communion wafer every day. And they said, you must give it up. She said, I cannot. God will not allow it. We can't help you. She left. So they wrote their paper. And they, they went to the priest, and they asked for a communion wafer, the researchers, and they measured how much gluten is in a piece of a wafer that somebody gets when they go to communion. And it's about an eighth of a thumbnail. That's one milligram of gluten. So they wrote their paper, and they said, uh, the title was, A Milligram of Gluten a Day Keeps the Villus Healing Away. Cute little title. You know, researchers don't do that very often, put a rhyme in there, but they did. And unbeknownst to them, the woman told the bishop, the bishop made her go gluten-free. She comes back a year later. Her hair is thick and flowing. Her energy is like she's never had in her life. Her osteoporosis is gone. She reversed her osteoporosis. Uh, blood value was low normal. The endoscopy, everything's normal in her gut. It was an eighth of a thumbnail of gluten a day. That's well, all it gluten, took. Doesn't gluten sneak into other products? Like I've seen it in ice cream. Is it applesauce, ketchup, soy sauce, even medications? Exactly. Exactly. There's an entire education that people need. And once you learn it, you know, it'll, take you, it'll take you a few months to learn it. I mean, it's a pain in the butt to start with. You know, and you, you make mistakes and all that, but you just stay on top of it. You keep learning. We've got a whole training programs for people and all the handouts and stuff. And so you, you just change out your ketchup and get gluten-free ketchup. Change out your ice cream. Change your lipstick. So you got gluten-free lipstick. And eventually, you've got this down. You know, it's not simple. It's not a simple pill to get better. You have to learn where your exposures are coming from, and stop throwing gasoline on the fire. What about gluten-free bread? So, wouldn't the same thing happen if we switch to another grain, and then we still build up the antibodies? Unfortunately, the answer is most often yes. The FDA did a study where they looked at 286 foods that were labeled gluten-free and 180 foods that were naturally gluten-free, like rice cakes, where you read the label, it says rice, salt, water. You know, that's naturally gluten-free, but it's not labeled gluten-free. So in the labeled gluten-free foods, 97.3% of them were gluten-free. That's pretty good for a commercial industry, but what that means is 3% of the people, if they eat gluten-free foods, they still get exposure. For the foods that are naturally gluten-free, like quinoa, rice cakes, and rice pasta, 24.7% of them had toxic levels of gluten. That's one out of four of the naturally gluten-free foods 
have toxic levels of gluten. You're not safe eating that stuff. You're not safe. But even if you do find a safe grain, doesn't the same process repeat that if we eat a lot of a particular grain, leaving out quinoa, then don't we develop antibodies through the same process? So we can't eat a lot of something we really love? That's a potential. That's a really sophisticated question. And that's a potential, depending on a person's digestive health, um, that we're really supposed to eat the way food grows on the planet. That means in seasons. And you don't have apples all year round. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating an apple in the springtime, you know, in general. But that concept that we're supposed to be rotating our foods is a very healthy concept in general that we all should be following. Okay. Um, what about European breads? The, um, when people go to Europe, they say, oh, I can eat the bread in Europe and I'm fine. But if I eat the bread back home, I get sick. I'm fine. It's healthy for me to eat the bread. No, it's not. What they're saying is that when they eat wheat products at home, they get gut complaints, bloating, gas, some cramping, whatever their individual symptoms are, constipation, diarrhea, whatever it is. And when they go to Europe, they don't get those symptoms, so they think the bread is fine. It's not. Remember I said wheat-related disorders, and there's a lot, a lot of different components to wheat. One of the components to wheat is a carbohydrate. It's called a fermentable carbohydrate in wheat. It's under the category of FODMAPs. And it's the FODMAPs that tend to give people the GI symptoms, the gut symptoms with wheat. It's not the gluten. It's the FODMAPs in the wheat. And the wheat in Europe is lower in FODMAPs. But the proteins are still there, so the person is still going to make antibodies to the food. Still, and if you have a bad thyroid, you're still going to attack your thyroid. Or if it's your brain, the weak link's your brain, you're still going to attack your brain when you eat the wheat in Europe. So just because you don't get the gut symptoms does not mean it's a good food for you. Oh, and those croissants just seem to be calling me. What I know, I know. I keep saying, if I, can, if I hear of a gluten-free croissant in Paris... I'm going to Paris. I yeah, want to try a gluten-free even, croissant. But aren't the gluten-free products, they have their own problems. Like I read somewhere, like the glycemic index, which is a measure of the sugar load, which we've discussed in the past, is something we want to avoid because spikes and, and dips can damage our brain each time. But that the sugar load you get from a gluten-free bread is more than a piece of whole wheat bread, which is more than white bread. Is that true? That's right. A piece of whole wheat bread, the gluten, the um, the glycemic index is 72. Now, that's more than a Snickers bar. When you eat a piece of whole wheat bread, you're you're getting more sugar than a Snickers bar. Your body thinks it's getting more sugar. And you're absolutely right about the gluten-free foods. They're not good for you. Look, but we're we're not perfect, um, and we're going to have some stuff once in a while. So having a a gluten-free blueberry muffin once in a while is not a problem, but you have to take digestive enzymes when you do it to try to protect yourself. But you just can't eat that stuff every day. So what digestive enzymes do we take when we really want to have a good gluten-free time? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, there's only one. There's only one that I know of. It's got two different names. It's called uh, GI Effects. GI Effects. And it's also called E3 Advanced Plus. E3 Advanced Plus. And it's the only one where it digests 99% of all gluten 
within 60 minutes. And it's the time that's so important. Most of these gluten enzymes out there take two hours, three hours, four hours. But you've got to digest this stuff before it gets out of the stomach. Because the sentries standing guard for the immune system that are there to protect you are just on the inside of the small intestine. Right after food gets out of the stomach, if there's anything that's not supposed to be there, that's when you activate the inflammatory response. So you have to break these foods down before they get into the small intestine. So that's GI effects or E3 Advanced Plus. It's the only one that does that. Yeah, that's pretty important because if you don't digest all your food, it's going to disrupt your gut, it becomes permeable, and that starts off a whole cascade of inflammation and autoimmunity all by itself. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Oh, okay. So um, how do we measure gluten sensitivity? I mean, is it just the antigliadin antibody that the doctor measures in the office? Oh, you, you're well-researched here. That, that's a good question. That's, um, that's the test that's been done since the 1990s, and that is a, um, a valid test, a helpful test. The problem is it's only looking at one component of wheat, gliden. And the studies tell us there's over 60, yeah, 62 different 62. components of wheat. Wow. 62. Why are we only checking one? So th- this is why people come back. If you do the anti-glidin test and it comes back negative, you think you're okay. You say, but wait a minute. If I eat wheat, I feel sick. Well, uh, the blood test says you're okay. That's because it's only looking at one of the 62. So there are two blood tests available right now that are much more comprehensive. They're both on my website where you can learn about them. And you can download handouts on it, and you can take that information to your doctor and tell them to order the test. Um, There's also a handout we're giving you today. It's one of my favorite handouts. It's called The Conundrum of Gluten Sensitivity, Why the Tests Are Often Wrong. And when you read this, it makes perfect sense. You know, it talks about the different clumps of the pearl necklace. And we're coming to a break now, but we certainly want to get back to these topics and Dr. O'Brien's free gift that he's going to be giving to all of our listeners. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. We'd love to hear from you about today's show. Send your email to Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. That's Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. Now, back to this week's program. Wow, you mentioned such an important point here that we're going to the doctors and he's and they're not measuring the things that are important to know if we're on this pathway toward disease. I mean, this is such a common theme, like heart disease, we don't have a clue. Diabetes, we could still have the four times increased risk for dementia and heart disease that the diabetics do and the lab values aren't showing it. So this is a really scary process that we're going toward disease. We go to our doctor's office, and nobody's telling us. Well, you know, the, 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 the doctors are trained in acute crisis care. What that means is if you if you got a crisis, you go to a medical doctor because that's their training, and they know, hopefully, what the best drugs are to get that get you out of crisis. But they are not trained, and this was the dean of medicine at Stanford in his commencement address to the new docs uh, a few years ago. Uh, it was such a good commencement address, they published the entire thing in the New England Journal of Medicine. And he said, we have to apologize to you. You are some of the best trained physicians in the world. And we have not prepared you for 78% of what you're going to see. And everybody just looked at him. And he said, 78% of what comes into your office is chronic disease. We've trained you. You're the best in the world in acute care. But we have not trained you at all on chronic disease. So let me see so if I understand you, this. So gluten plus, you can substitute any other toxin, will get us toward illness, will get us toward obesity, uh, fatigue, depression, every awful chronic disease imaginable. And when we eat gluten, we might not even have any symptoms and know it. That's exactly right. You're just throwing gasoline on the fire, but you, you, uh, the, the fire's not burning you yet. Yet. That's, that's the magic word is yet. So you mentioned the importance of the gut and health and digesting our food fully and the need for enzymes, etc. Is there anything else we need to know about the gut? Or, for example, if we take antacids and lower our stomach acid, how does that affect our health? Oh, it's, a, it's, it's got a terrible effect on your health, just terrible. Uh, there's a reason why we're supposed to make hydrochloric acid in our stomach. Hydrochloric acid can sit in your stomach all day long. It's supposed to be able to sit in your stomach there. And, but if you put it on a wood table, it eats through the wood. But uh, that's the stomach that your acid makes. It'll eat through the wood. But it can sit in your stomach all day because there's cells in your stomach that make mucus, which is like a force field that just protects you, and the acid can sit there no problem at all. When you have um, acid reflux or you have what your doctor thinks is too much hydrochloric acid, it's not too much hydrochloric acid, it's that the mucus cells are not doing their job to produce enough mucus 
to lay down that, that shield, that layer of insulation for the acid. That's, that's why you get the heartburn, or that's why you get um, one reason why you get ulcers. There are many, but that's one of them. So what the doctors do is say, well, let's stop the acid production. Okay, but you can't stop the water that keeps coming over the waterfall. So the, the functional medicine approach is, what do we have to do to make your stomach healthier so that hydrochloric acid can sit there? Of course, you take the, the proton pump inhibitors for a while if you need to. Of course, you want to feel better, of course. But you don't stop there. You have to figure out, your doctor has to figure out why is this happening to you and how are we going to turn it around so that you no longer need those medications. That's the goal. They don't seem to do that. And by the way, the inserts of all the antacids say that they're only supposed to be taken for a limited amount of time, yet uh, the doctors don't seem to have any cure beyond the temporary palliative relief from the antacids. So that, until, that, uh, yeah. until they go to functional medicine courses, then they understand what to do. So... Uh, so reducing the stomach acid, doesn't that interfere, like you're not going to get all these important digestive enzymes, uh, you know, you, that might not close the flap between the stomach and the esophagus, uh, you know, if you don't have the enzymes, your food's not digested, and you get more of these cl- various clumps going into the blood system that we build more antibodies against, especially if our gut's unhealthy and things are allowed to get through? Yes, of course. Of course, that's, it's a primary reason why seniors, elders, get sick um, um, quicker. You know, as, as soon as they get ill, they, they um, uh, progress in their illness very quickly. It's because they don't have enough nutrients because they're not making enough digestive enzymes anymore. Of hmm. course. Of, of, uh, it's, um, um, there, there's no spare parts in your body that are extra. You know, there's no spare tire sitting around. When you stop getting enough hydrochloric acid, it's going to have effects. When you stop um, having bile secretion, it's going to have terrible effects on you. And that happens every time uh, with gallbladder surgery. When, when they take your gallbladder out, your, your gallbladder is a storage pouch. It sits under your liver. Your, your liver makes a little bit of bile all the time, and it gets stored in the gallbladder. When you eat fat, and you swallow your food, and it gets down into the stomach and into the intestines, the body says, oh, i got a bunch of fat here. I have to break this fat down. That's the job of bile. So your intestines secrete an enzyme, uh, a hormone, that goes up to the gallbladder, squeezes the gallbladder, squeezes some of the bile out to go down into the intestines, and the bile acts like dishwashing soap to get the fat off of your plates and off your pots. So it breaks down the fat molecules. But when you have gallbladder disease and you take your gallbladder out, they, they, they take it out and throw it away and tell you, all right, go home and be healthy. You can't because you no longer have bile to digest fats. That means vitamin A and the, your skin and your eyes. Vitamin D, every cell in your body needs vitamin D. Vitamin E, your heart needs vitamin E. Vitamin K for blood um, thickness and clotting. All these fat-soluble vitamins you develop deficiencies in because they took your gallbladder out and they didn't tell you that you need to take bile acids now for the rest of your life. There's no spare parts. 
Wow, it ties in with uh, uh, Raymond Francis's theme last week where he says disease is either caused by a lack of nutrition or excess toxins. So it seems that uh, that fits in with what everyone else is saying. So now that we're all in this pathway uh, toward going to places that we don't want our health to go, what can we do to turn it around and make it better? In the Museum of Science in Florence, There is a display. It's a round globe kind of display. It's a round globe display. Inside this glass round globe is Galileo's finger. And Galileo bequeathed that his finger had to be on display, that they they could display all of his inventions for all his posterity as long as they also displayed his finger. And so you'll see Galileo's fingers. And it's like one finger... Um, held up. I use that picture to encourage people one hour a week, one hour a week. It might be Tuesdays at 7 p.m. after dinner or Thursday mornings, you know, whatever works for you, but one hour a week, you set aside, I'm just going to listen to a couple of these radio shows. I'm just going to read a little bit more on this topic, one hour a week. So with gluten, you say, all right, one hour a week, I'll get this test done. And uh, I'll go to Dr. O'Brien's site. I'll learn about these tests. I'll get the, if my doctor doesn't do the test, I'll get them done on Dr. O'Brien's site. And you get the test done, and you go, oh, my God, look at these test results. What does all this mean? You spend one hour a week learning how to live a gluten-free lifestyle, and in six months, you've got this down. Everybody wants an easy answer. There's no easy answer. You apply one hour a week, and in a few months, you really are familiar with this topic now. You've learned a tremendous amount, and now you're ready to move forward with this one. Well, tell me about That's some the of the ways to healthy. remove toxins. Uh, what are some of the ways that we can start removing these things from our body? One of the simplest things you can do is every morning. Start every morning off with hot water with a little bit of fresh lemon squeezed in it and a little bit of honey. Hot water, lemon, and honey. You'll find that it's just such a, and it's a four-to-one ratio of lemon juice to honey. So if you do four teaspoons of lemon juice, you do one teaspoon of honey. And the result is you're helping your liver, you're helping your gallbladder just flush out toxins, you're helping your gut just flush out some of the toxins that are there. The most important thing I think you can do, depending on the doctor you talk to, everybody thinks it. Their idea is most important, but I think this is a very important one, is drink more water. You have to flush this stuff out. It's like you're cleaning off your driveway. You've got to hose down the driveway. And so you need at least a half an ounce of water per pound body weight. So if you weigh 120 pounds, that's 60 ounces of water a day. 60 ounces. That's seven and a half, eight-ounce glasses a day. And people go, wow, I, I can't drink that. Yes, you can. You just start, and you'll get there. You might not be able to do it today, but in a month or two, as you keep working on it, you'll be able to do it. So one hour a week, just apply that principle, and you will get the answers you want. Just listen to this radio show, one hour a week. The guests that you have on here, they all have wonderful information. Yeah, but be consistent. Of- uh, we're gr- growing to the end, so I just want to mention some other prospects and then turn the mic over to Dr. O'Brien. But other techniques that I've heard him mention and others for toxin removal is sauna, skin brushing, where you brush your skin starting from the extremities going toward the heart, 
um, hydrotherapy, going from cold to hot water, etc. However, now I want to turn it over to Dr. Brian to see if he's got any last words or a summary or things he would like to say. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I guess what I would say is that, people, we have to wake up. We've killed off 57% of everything that lives on the planet in the last 46 years. 57% of everything is gone. We're next. It's going to take a little bit longer, but we're next. We have to stop being exposed to so much toxic material, and it means a wake-up call. Do the one hour a week, and in six months or a year, you now are an advocate talking about this with the people you love to make sure they understand how to protect themselves also. And the most common food that people have sensitivity to is wheat. The most common. You get more bang for your buck if you get that one out than any other food, as far as I know, than any other food. Wow. Um, And you have a free gift for our listeners. Can you mention that? Well, let's see. There's uh, some handouts for you. Uh, Some of my favorite handouts. I mentioned one of them already, the conundrum of gluten sensitivity. Also, we've got the Best of the Gluten Summit. You know, I interviewed 29 of the world's leaders, the scientists, the geeks on this stuff. And when you hear them speak about this and you hear what they have to say about how weed affects your brain or how weed affects your heart or your blood pressure... Oh, my God, I didn't know this. My doctor doesn't know this. Okay, let me, we're coming to the end, so let me draw some quick conclusions here. Gluten can trigger an inflammatory cascade leading to chronic diseases. We won't know it. Our doctors won't know it. We, there are some ways to find out, though. And um, anyway, you can learn more by going to Dr. O'Brien's website, thedoctor.com. Now that you know that gluten is an issue, Dr. O'Brien is giving you access to 28 educational jewels in the Best of the Gluten Summit. This is guidance on what to do the next, um, you know, and some of his favorite articles. Um, We will, that will be at his, uh, what is the website for that? TheDR.com. Okay, and I'll put more on my website. So for more information, you can go to my website, Occupy Health. Or contact me, Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. I encourage you to do your own research, as Dr. O'Brien says, an hour a week or whatever you can do. So you can become informed, so you can take care of yourself and others. Be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.